I'm going to go gal. with uh, orangefizz.net. Let there be fizz. Fizzcast! Without Jerry McIntyre, we would have won 10 f***ing games this year. You're watching the fizz. Okay? Not 10. What's up, fizz fans? The most brutal thing I've seen in 30 years. Welcome back to another episode of the fizz. And especially that it comes from our people. OrangeFizz.net. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. We get you every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on The Score. Alongside Jonathan Hoppy, I'm Nathan Dickinson. And we've got a lot to talk about this week. A lot going on in Syracuse basketball and football news, especially in the recruiting side. And of course, we've got to start with the biggest news of the week. Darius Baisley will not be in a Syracuse uniform in fall. He decides to go to the G League instead of pursuing a college career. Jonathan, this is huge, not only for Syracuse and its future, but also really shook all of college basketball because Baisley's the one of the first guys to do this. Yeah, it's really strange, Nathan. It's great to be here with you. But, you know, when I think about this, I just can't really understand why Darius Baisley chose this route. I mean, I get why he left in terms of opportunity to play professional basketball in a way and it's sort of the forefront for the NBA because nowadays you know when you look at these guys that go to the G League there are a lot of guys that get drafted and then they get put in the G League that were NBA prospects sometimes even first round picks and even high first round picks so I get in terms of he wants to play that competition but you know it's not like he's going to get paid a ton and you get stipend as a player for the NCAA and you get a little bit, so when you look at that, it's not that big of a difference. I could understand maybe if he took a more lucrative deal overseas, but he's basically trying to get drafted to a G League team in October when he could have come to the ACC, in my mind, led a team and done really well. I get the NCAA is sort of a joke right now, and no one really wants to be a part of it with all the different rules they have, but a lot of confusion, and you know, I understand at the same time, so sort of contradicting myself, but... Let's be honest, this was straight out of left field. So no one saw this coming by any means. Yeah, there, there's the side of it where you, he gets the opportunity to get paid and have that opportunity a year earlier than he would have if he had gone to the ACC, played at Syracuse. He, he gets the opportunity to do that. You mentioned he gets the opportunity to play against that higher competition, those sometimes high first-round draft picks that are going to be in that level of play with him but also when you mentioned that you also got to remember that there's a lot of those high first round draft picks who get to the G League and just can't cut it can't get it out there and there's a lot of players who get drafted out of the NCAA and get that paycheck and don't pan out but still are able to get that paycheck so you got to understand he's not only taking the risk by not getting that exposure going into college but also by going straight to the league he doesn't get that year of experience playing against other players that are maybe more similar to his talent level he's going straight from prep basketball to professional basketball that's a really hard thing to do for a lot of players even if you are a first round draft pick again we see a lot of people not being able to just pan out at all and Darius Baisley now runs that risk a year earlier without having any college experience under his belt so it's gonna be interesting to see how does he make that jump straight from high school basketball to G League basketball and then maybe NBA basketball after it because a lot of people have been saying the one-and-done rule, stupid people should be able to go to the pros right out of high school. If Darius Baisley struggles or can't make it, there's going to be a nice argument to be made for people going to college still. 
It's interesting. It really is because if you're Syracuse, you know, you're upset. A top 10 recruit, the best recruit you've had since Carmelo Anthony, he is no longer coming. So we're going to talk about the Syracuse side of things in a moment, but just on the larger scape of things, you see the ball people, you know, if you refer to them as the clan, the ball clan is going overseas. And they've got, you know, Lonzo, who's in the NBA, but the other ones dropped out of UCLA and they're overseas. And uh, LeVar is trying to start a league over there and everything like that. But when you look at it in a big picture, what do you think this means for the future? Because we know that the NBA is currently reassessing this one-and-done rule. I think they should change that rule so the players that could come out can come out. Because at the end of the day, college basketball is still going to be fun. It's still going to be a good product. But what you do is you eliminate guys like Baisley who clearly have no interest in playing college basketball. They don't want to go to school. They're locked on the NBA. They don't want to waste their time dealing with that stuff. And I think in terms of that, that's where Baisley made the right decision. But this is so unique. You mentioned it. No one has ever done this before. So for Baisley to step up and make this decision, it's it's a risk. I mean, he's going to get, you know, he's going to sign an agent. He'll probably get an endorsement deal earlier than he would have if he went to Syracuse because as you know, you can't touch any of that stuff as a collegiate athlete, but it is a risk and I just don't know what this means for the future of top talents coming out of high school. Well, I think it's going to have to mean at some point that you're going to have to find a way to get college basketball players some sort of way to get paid for when they play there. It's just Again, you said no one Baisley's no one like Baisley's ever done this, but there's also really hasn't been an opportunity for someone like Baisley to do this. There, these leagues, these opportunities to go to the G League, uh, you mentioned the Balls League that they have. It's a new thing that there's a new concept really that's going on in college sports right now. There are alternatives coming up because there's just too much money being made off these players. The alternatives are coming up now where they have the opportunity to get paid to be able to play at that same level at uh, at some cases at closer, if not better level than what college basketball provides. And I think that's what Darius Baisley sees here, an opportunity to, one, get paid, two, play against competition that's just as good as what the NCAA has to offer him. And if the NCAA can't offer him better competition, better exposure, and better pay, then there's really no appeal to it anymore. So they have to at least do something to make it so that they can remain on top. And I think that has to involve in some way or another compensating these players. So do you think, it sounds like you think the NCAA should try to get these guys like Baisley back. The way I look at it, I'm not sure if, you know, you're the NCAA, if, you know, you let a guy like Baisley go, if they all go, your product is going to be less. It's not going to be as good as it is now if you don't get the Bagleys of the world playing one and done with programs like Duke, but is that your goal if you're the NCAA to get guys like Baisley back, or you know, are you trying to figure out a way that you can get other players in there? Well, I don't think the NCAA is panicking yet. Again, Darius Baisley's only one player, but I definitely think this is a situation that the NCAA has to monitor very closely. Because obviously it's a huge moneymaker for not only the NCAA, but also each of these schools individually, these basketball and football and, uh, you know, the revenue sports that these teams have. So if they start to lose those top players, then again, like you said, the, the quality of the product starts to go down. 
You have people all over the place and all sorts of different competition now for for uh, viewers that you really didn't have at all before. The NCAA didn't have any competition for viewers for athletes of this age. Everyone was in the NCAA. So now as people start to go to these other options, the NCAA is going to have to realize that it's going to have some competition. Uh, again, I don't think it's panicking just yet. Darius Baisley's only one player. But if you start to see a couple of more guys go these other routes, either overseas or to the G League or what other, other I guess, paths come up for them, the NCAA might have to start making some changes then. But again, one player is not going to do enough to, to shake the needle that much. But if some people follow in what Baisley's been doing Right now, it could definitely, down the line, mean changes for the NCAA. So what do you think this move means for Syracuse basketball? Because I look at it two ways. It's a big loss. Baisley, top 10 recruit, like we said, best since Carmelo Anthony, certainly someone that fans were excited about. I was excited to cover him next year and see him play. But on the other hand, this could pump the brakes on the expectations for next year's SU basketball team. Because that's what happens when you get to the Sweet 16 with a team like this that overachieved. Well, if you look at the roster next year, if Brissett and Battle both come back, it looks a lot better than it did to start this year. Just because you get Jalen Carey, you get Buddy Beheim, you get Elijah Hughes back. So I think it might be good to sort of pump the brakes and not you know, put too much expectations on this team. Because two years ago, we saw all those expectations didn't work out so well. Yeah, it, well, it was in the in the 2016-17 season after the Final Four run. Everyone's argument was pretty much, hey, this team went to the Final Four last year, and no matter how you slice it, even with everyone who's left, this team is still, at the end of the day, more talented than that team was. And I think you're going to have the same situation when you go into the basketball season next year. That team's going to be much more talented, at least at its core, than what this season's basketball team is, even without Baisley. And in my opinion, even if uh, Tyus Battle decides to go pro too. But it's still not going to be a championship caliber team without Baisley there. And probably without Tyus Battle there either. So this changes everything about what you're looking at for the next year or two for Syracuse basketball. Baisley was supposed to be the guy to come in and really bring this team back into contending status. Tyus Battle, if he was there, obviously is a huge help. But Baisley was the guy, again, top 10 recruit, best since Carmelo Anthony that the program has had. He was the one who was supposed to come in and kind of carry this team up to that top tier again. And now that he's not there, who's SU going to look to to do that? Jalen Carey, possibly. Tyus Battle, again, if he ends up not going pro. But if Battle's not there and Baisley's not there, then the Orange is once again finding itself without really that kind of championship leader, I guess something uh, the star player that it's been lacking for the past three four years you know something I was thinking about earlier is what if this had happened when Syracuse missed the tournament the morale would be really low surrounding this program because a lot of people would say basically probably just did this because Syracuse did so poorly this year so uh-huh. the good news is now that's not the case you can throw that out the window which kind of gives a break to Jim Beheim's program because he doesn't have to defend that. Now it's pretty clear that Baisley left for his own personal reasons, not anything to do with next year because he was set up to be a star on a really good top 25 preseason team. Yeah, this I mean, it's a weird situation because it's not like what he was leaving. What he's choosing to leave is 
a less than ideal situation for someone going into college basketball. He's going to be, like you said, a star player on what is presumably going to be a top 25 team next year. Uh, an almost certain one-and-done on a team that has been producing one-and-dones nonstop, even during these years when it's really been struggling. So it didn't seem like Darius Baisley had a much easier path to the NBA than coming to Syracuse and doing it this way. I'm very interested to hear what he thought was the biggest motivators for him making this choice because it seems like Syracuse is the better option, or at least the safer option right now than trying to go through the G League and make it to the NBA that way. So I'm a very, I'd be very interested to hear what it is that he ended up deciding was the biggest factor in his going to the NBA instead of coming to Syracuse because it just seems like right now that staying with the Orange was at least the safer option to getting to the pros. Well, it's a bold move. There's no doubt about that. And it's interesting. You know, I wish him the best of luck. I think we all do. And, of course, Syracuse fans are going to be upset because this was their guy, someone they thought was going to come in and really transform the team next year into something very special that we haven't seen here in the regular season in, I think, five years at least now, dating back to that great start a few years back in the Big East. But it's going to be fun to watch this team regardless. You've got Jalen Carey, Buddy Beheim. Elijah Hughes, who knows about Brissett and Battle, someone you won't have, Matthew Moyer. And this is now kind of under the radar thanks to this Baisley news. People forget that it was just Monday, less than seven days ago, that Matt Moyer announced he would transfer. And I think that was really unsurprising for a couple of reasons, but now with the Baisley loss, that Moyer loss feels a little bit more significant. Not that Moyer was anything special, but just that you lose a guy that could fill your seventh, eighth man role pretty well in my eyes. Yeah, and it hurts also because they're both, uh, I wouldn't say the same players or same position by any means, but Baisley's a 6'9 player, Moyer was 6'8. They kind of fill that same spot in the zone. And when you get rid of both of them, then you're down to pretty much what? Um, O'Shea Brissett maybe at that 3-4 spot, then Marek Dolajai too. And again, you don't even know if Brissett's going to be here next year as well. So when you take both of those guys out of the equation, it really does kind of leave this hole in the roster at that 3-4 spot that really only Marek Dolajai fills in. Uh, it was something that he, Brissett, and Darius Baisley next year would have kind of rotated all through, but instead it's really Marek's, there now, Marek's spot to, I guess, get taken away from him. It, it, there's nobody else really there to manage it for him. So now Syracuse has a really guard-heavy team. Going into next year, Elijah Hughes, uh, Jalen Carey, Buddy Beheim's going to be on the wing as well. But it's kind of lacking that size up front. Brahma Sidibe and Pascal Chuk will still be there, but those corners of the zone really now have some holes that can be filled, and it'll be interesting to see who ends up filling them. I think you got to look at a grad transfer. I think at this point, you know, someone we haven't mentioned, Braden Bayer, he's gone. And not that he would fill that wing position that you're talking about, but this team is taking some blows. When you look at... You know, the Orange played seven guys down the stretch of this year. Bayer was one of those guys. Matt Moyer was one of those guys. Bayer didn't play a lot, but he came in in a crucial game against Michigan State in the second round. So that can't be discounted that he's gone. You've got to find guys to step up. Luckily, the recruits coming in, Elijah Hughes sat out this year. He will be eligible to play for Syracuse next year. So that's going to be fun. You've got them coming. But you keep taking these hits. It's been a very eventful offseason. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I think if you ask a Syracuse fan after that Sweet 16 game, hey, uh, 
before next season, you're going to lose three of the guys that you thought were going to be on the roster. I think most Syracuse fans would have said, wow, that's kind of a little bit more than I expected, but it's manageable. If I had told them you're going to lose three of their players for next year's roster and O'Shea Brissett and Tyus Battle haven't made up their minds yet, then you start getting Whoa. a little bit uneasy. Yeah. yeah. I, it, there's, there's a lot still to be done, fans have to remember, too. So if you end up losing Baisley, Moyer, Brissett, and Battle, then this team starts looking a lot less deep than it was before. Just a week ago, we were talking about how this team might be 10-11 deep, one of the deepest that Jim Beheim's had in years. Now it's looking like it might be another 6-7 deep team. And again, you still have to figure out where your star players are going to be next season. It's going to be interesting to watch. i got to say, I'm not sure how it's going to come up or how the Syracuse Orange are going to do next year. And it's way too early. I know we'll talk about predictions for next year. Way too early predictions later in the show. But, you know, we haven't been on the air since that game on Sunday when Syracuse lost and I don't think anyone expected them to win the game against Duke. It was actually on Saturday night, but it was a it was a good run. I think we can all agree that Syracuse overachieved. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's this orange team, uh, I think many people would argue, wasn't talented enough to make the tournament at all. And, you, I mean, winning three games in five days was something I didn't think this team was going to be able to do at any point in the season. Nevertheless, in the NCAA tournament, and I it agree. got it done. It got it done, got to the Sweet 16, and gave Duke a really good run, too. So I I don't think there's any way you can be uh, less than satisfied, at least with the tournament outcome for this team. Obviously, the regular season's a whole different story. After the break, we will talk more about what's coming up next for Syracuse basketball, outlook for next season. We'll also get into some Syracuse football news as well later on in the show. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260 alongside Jonathan Hoppy. I'm Nathan Dickinson. We've got you from 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday morning here on the Score. We talk Syracuse basketball, football, and the recruiting news surrounding all of it. We spent a lot of our first segment talking about the future of Syracuse basketball, and we're not done yet. Going to take a deeper look into what this 2018-2019 roster looks like now with the departure of Matthew Moyer and Darius Baisley and Braden Bayer as well. This team looks a lot different than what people thought it was going to look like a week ago. There's still a lot of those pieces there, Jonathan, but some big ones are gone and some more bigger ones could be leaving soon. There's a lot of question marks because Baisley was going to come in and I think everyone understood that this was a guy that's going to come in and score for Syracuse, a guy that was going to fill the zone and pretty much do everything. Now, he's not coming. Sorry, Syracuse fans. Darius Baisley, and now it could change. You know, there's always a possibility, but very unlikely. Seems like in the article that he was documented in with Yahoo Sports, you know, he's made up his mind and good for him. That's what he's going to pursue. But now looking at what Syracuse has, a lot of pressure comes on the shoulders of Elijah Hughes, Jalen Carey. In my mind, that's the thing because Hughes played at East Carolina. There's been a lot of talk within the program that Elijah Hughes is one of the best players on this Syracuse basketball roster, period. And he had to sit out and was anxiously awaiting coming back. He'll get the chance to come back next year. I think he could relieve a lot of this pressure for Syracuse fans, but the bottom line is, no matter what happens this season, everyone's going to say, what could have been? What could have happened with Darius Baisley on the roster? But he's not here, so we're going to have to see what this Syracuse team can do. And 
Keep in mind, we're a long ways away. The tournament is still going on. Final Four is coming up later today with the championship game on Monday night. But I think, Nate, a lot of this comes down to Elijah Hughes, what he can do, and then Jalen Carey. And now Carey confirmed with us, we spoke with his dad, and Carey's dad said that he's fired up. This has fueled him, and you saw him tweet like, darn, you know, kind of blindsided by his guy Baisley. But I think Carey, who is now the feature recruit in this 2018 class, has a lot to be motivated about right now, and he is the guy. So if you want to look at it that way, I think Carey is going to get a more – a bigger role than we thought clearly with no Baisley and I'm kind of excited about that and Jalen Carey has definitely shown throughout the season he, he's around 50 something on the rankings right now but there were times during the season when he had jumped up to top 25 recruits in that class so he definitely has the ability to step up but I, you're definitely right I think you nailed it on the head when you said no matter what happens this year it's going to be one of those what if seasons because Going into this offseason, even if you're worried about Tyus Battle leaving and O'Shea Brissett even leaving too before he decided he would stay, you had Darius Baisley as kind of the safety net. He was the guy that even if Tyus Battle leaves, Baisley will be here next year to pick up the slack. Uh, even if the Orange loses graduate transfers or Matthew Moyer to transfer, there's still going to be depth there because Darius Baisley is going to be there to lead this team and have other supporting players on the roster. Because really, one of the big things that this team was missing this season was that major score. Tyus Battle filled the shoes very well. But if you would put someone like a Darius Baisley, a top 10 recruit, onto that roster, move Tyus Battle to a number two scoring option, Frank Howard to three, O'Shea Brissett becomes a much more consistent fourth scoring option with the rebounding as well. That kind of player on a roster has the potential to really change the entire outlook on a season. And when you just pull him away from it, like Darius Baisley did to Syracuse basketball, your outlook for the entire rest of the season has to change as well. This goes from a team that everyone thought was going to be preseason top 25 to now a team that I, I don't know if you can make that argument anymore because what does this team have that last year's team really wasn't. I, how can you argue that this team's going to be that much better than the team that barely made the tournament anymore? So what I want to know is if no Tyus Battle, no O'Shea Brissett, what does that mean for Syracuse next year? If those two are gone, what kind of team do you think the Orange has? Because, you know, it's it's not looking great. If those two go, and I think the indications right now are that Brissett is going to stay. He said that he's interested in staying. He's going to be here and you know, it's not for sure at this point, but it seems like he's going to be back in Tyus Battle. You never know. I'm sure he'll enter his name into the draft and see what happens. But let's just say that those two are gone because at some point a couple of weeks ago, we thought that was a possibility. So let's say that happened. What do you think this Syracuse team would look like? It's certainly not a top 25 team. And actually, you can argue that it looks worse on paper than the team did at the start of this year. Well, let's take a look at it then. I mean, just at the starting lineup, the big men don't really change. Pascal Chuku and Barama Sidibe are still going to be switching off at that center spot in the 2-3 zone. Uh, the four spots where you have now have the biggest hole. Darius Baisley was going to play some of that. Matthew Moyer would be there as well. Now, really, you only have Marek Dolezal to put in there. Maybe Buddy Beheim if he ends up being that kind of long athletic defender that you might expect Buddy Beheim to be. At the guard spot, you're really the most crowded. You've got Frank Howard, you've got Elijah Hughes, you've got Jalen Carey. 
really competing for just that one and two spot. No one's going to stretch out to play the three there. And then at the three spot, it's really O'Shea Brissett. So the front court, again, very limited like it was this year. The back court's a little bit more backloaded, but it, again, it's not the same team that this year was. And if you lose Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett, or not even O'Shea Brissett, if you lose Tyus Battle, I don't know if you can make the argument without Baisley, like you said, that this team's any better than it was last season. Now, I would argue, at least on paper, that it's worse, even though I, th- I think it's going to be a better team. I would argue that when you look at it on paper going into the season, it's definitely not as good as what you had this year. If I had to guess right now, I would say that this team is a first-weekend NCAA tournament team. I think this team, way too early, keep that in mind. We've said that multiple times. We're not actually predicting what's going to happen, but if you had to say right now, you know, if you're Vegas setting the odds, I'd say the odds are pretty good that this team makes the tournament. If O'Shea Brissett comes back, I think the odds are good, and I think he is going to come back. So there you have that, and then after that, you know, it takes a lot to get out of that first weekend. It takes a lot of different things. We saw Carolina, Virginia, Michigan State, thanks to Syracuse of court, not make it out of the first weekend. So you can't just sit here and say, because Syracuse made it to the Sweet 16 this season, that next season with maybe a slightly better roster, they're going to go to the Elite Eight or Final Four. Just doesn't work like that, but I do think they'll make it to the first weekend. Getting past that, though, it's going to be tough. You know, it's anyone's guess in March the way teams win and lose these days, but if I was a betting man, it'd be tough to predict them going past that, I think. Well, this has been the big problem for Syracuse basketball the last five years. These fans aren't a first-weekend fans. These are second-weekend Final Four kind of basketball fans that have become used to that kind of deep run every single season. The problem is, for the past, like, five years, I think you would agree that Syracuse basketball has been, at best, a first-weekend NCAA tournament-talented team. There's no reason that any of those teams from the Rakeem Christmas-led team in 2014 onward, had any business getting past that first weekend, including the Final Four team, including this year's Sweet 16 team. None of those teams were that talented. It's the Syracuse system that gets them that deep in the tournament. That's the bigger picture, really, is that with the loss of Baisley, you had also the loss of this return to, I think, top-tier college basketball that Syracuse fans have been yearning for for so long now. Ever since joining the ACC, Orange fans have kind of had to look up to the UNCs and the Dukes. And even recently, the Louisvilles and the Clemson of college basketball, while Syracuse just sits back and kind of sits on the bubble for the entire season. Orange fans, I think, were really ready to make that jump back into contention, having these games where Duke and North Carolina are coming to the Dome actually really mean something. And I think Darius Baisley, with his departure, not even departure, he had to get here if you can depart, I guess just failure to arrive to Syracuse, it kind of takes away the Orange's opportunity, at least next season, to get back to that top 25 performing, I guess, talent that Jim Beheim would like to have on this team. That's the frustrating part, Nate, is that Syracuse had the chance. Like you said, those teams really haven't had the talent to go past the first weekend. Some have done it anyway. But next year's Syracuse team had the chance to have the talent. And Syracuse had the opportunity to get back to having a great team. I mean, this is a fan base that 
is yearning for that. Like you said, the expectations would have been there. They're probably going to be there anyway, but at this point, you got to pump the brakes. The team is not going to be what we thought it was, and we'll see. It's still early. We'll see about Brissett. We'll see about Battle. Who knows how Hughes is going to play? Will Buddy Beheim redshirt? I'd say at this point, probably not. They probably need him, but you never know. After the break, we're going to talk a lot more about Syracuse basketball, the future of the team, what this Darius Baisley leaving means for Syracuse basketball going forward. Going to have all that for you after this on the score 1260 in Fizz Radio. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Alongside Jonathan Hoppy. I'm Nathan Dickinson. From 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday morning, the Fizz has you here on the score. We spent a lot of today's show already talking about Syracuse basketball, so now we're going to take a little bit of a shift, get into the Syracuse football season because spring practices are underway, and this team is looking to take a big step this season, maybe even get to five wins. <laughs> it would be the first time Well, in let's five want to win after the bye. Let's do that first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Dino Baber still hasn't done that. It's sort of a running joke I have. But, you know, they'll take wins however they can get them. But if they want to take that next step, clearly winning after the bye is going to be something they've got to do. And really, no wins after Clemson last year was a real disappointment. So l- let's start with those expectations then. This is a team that, even with Dino Babers in the first two seasons, has only won four games each year. And while Babers has this program looking at least on the upswing right now there's still a lot to be done before this team's back bowling again is that the goal for this season to go to a bowl game in Dino Babers third year is five wins and that bowl game with academic uh, I guess whatever the academic reasoning is behind who gets into the bowl games with five wins is that enough or do you want it uh, what I guess what is the next step I think it's six wins I think you need six wins You need to make a bowl game because, Nate, you know, we thought Syracuse was going to make a bowl game last year. That didn't pan out very well. So I don't know if that's a – I don't know what happened. You know, like we just said, they can't win before the bye or after the bye. It's problematic. But I think next year you got to win a bowl game. I really think that's the expectation. And if Syracuse doesn't do that next season, I think you get a little bit worried because at this point in the Dino Babers process – You want to see things come together. The recruits are a little bit better than we thought, you know, a little bit better than they were in year one. Everything's gotten better. He said this is the break class. So I want to see this team make a bowl game, and it all starts here in spring practice. Now, everyone's talking about this team making a bowl game, but we have to ask, is this team going to be any better than what last year's team was? Because while the offense I do expect to keep making those steps forward bit by bit and get better and better, This defense, I think, could easily take a big step back. That linebacking core, which was the core of the defense last year, really is entirely depleted, and there's going to be a lot of new leadership to look at on that defense. I guess it's what I'm most most concerned about more than anything else. A, A team that's losing all of its starting linebackers that was still giving up 60 points per game even when it had those guys out there. The defense is not going to be a strong point. Because you lose Zaire Franklin, you lose Paris Bennett. Those were the two, you know, heartbeats of the defense. As much as you want to say anybody else and the secondary got better, now the pass rush has gotten better and we've got some guys returning for Syracuse. But in terms of linebackers, that's a big hole to void. You know, uh, it's a big 
it's a big time responsibility for whoever's going to step up and try and replace Zaire Franklin, whoever's going to step up and try and replace Paris Bennett. Those guys were all over the floor, all over the field, I should say. And you know what? I, I, I can't see anyone stepping up and giving the production that they did. So the defense is a concern. It's always a concern if you're Syracuse and the Dino Babers team that, you know, likes to play fast. Not a huge emphasis on defense. I know they would contest that, but this is a team that's centered around offense. I think we can all agree. So is that the reason behind thinking this team can win two more games? Is it just that the defense is going to be bad and the offense can pick up the slack? Or is it the defense just can't get much worse than it was last year? So if the offense get bad, gets better, it has to get somehow a little bit better in some way or another? What What is it that makes you think that this team can go out there with this roster and be better than what last year's team was? I'm not really sure. You know, I don't have a secret answer to that, a secret formula. But what I do think is Eric Dungy has been injured. Now, we know nothing that tells us he's not going to get injured this year. As much as you hate to say that, every season it feels like he gets injured and misses a large chunk of time. If he is there the whole year, I think this is a bowl team. If he's not, you go to Tommy DeVito, and we'll see what DeVito can do. You know, he's been hyped up a lot. I'm interested to see that moment that Dungy gets hurt if it happens. And like I said, all signs point to saying it will happen. I want to see what DeVito can do because I think DeVito can come in and be a really good quarterback and Mike could be just as good as Dungy. So that's really the question. How good is Tommy DeVito? Because if Dungy goes down, Syracuse is in trouble if DeVito's not ready to play. That's probably going to happen at some point in the season. Now, hopefully Dungy comes back or if he's just out for a couple of plays. Let's see what Tommy DeVito has. And we should mention we want to wish a happy and quick recovery for Rex Culpepper, who yep. has cancer. Really sad news, but all the players have said that Rex is a guy that fights really hard. And someone, if anyone's going to beat cancer, it's Rex. So let's get Rex back in that quarterback fold as well. But I think Tommy DeVito is going to be key if he has to come and step in. What can Eric Dungy do? He's a great quarterback. Can he stay healthy? If he can, Syracuse should easily win six games. I really believe that. They should easily win six games with a healthy Eric Dungy. But nothing we've seen says that he will remain healthy this whole year. I, I think we disagree with how many wins a better offense leads to. But I think we can both agree and just about everyone can agree that this is a team that's going to live and die by its offense this year. And I don't think we've really seen anything on the defensive side, uh, both with personnel or, I guess, uh, strategy to suggest that that's going to change anytime soon. This defense really hasn't taken any steps no. <laughs> to, to, to make anyone believe that it's going to be able to contribute in a major way this season or next season. It, it, it really seems like the defense is still at square one. Which is my I'm one of, which, which which is my biggest concern. The offense is getting better, but the defense is kind of just staying well, where it was at. It, it seemed like it was getting better to start the year. Secondary was playing better with no Cordy, and then all that fell apart. Really, in the second half of that Wake Forest game, the wheels fell off. They just fell right off, and Syracuse ended the season on such a sour note. There were such bright spots to start the year defensively. And then all that went away. So I, I think you're right. I mean, I think they advanced from square one, but now they're right back at it coming into the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, there's going to have to be some sort of change during the season or in the weeks going up to it to, to be able to get Syracuse to a spot where the offense 
isn't going to have to do everything for it. But we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. After the break, we're going to end our show, as we always do, with Fizz Feedback, where we take a look at some of your opinions on Syracuse sports and let you know what we have to say about them. That's coming up right after this on Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. We're just about rounding out our show, 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday morning. We've got you here on The Score. And we end our show, as always, with Fizz Feedback, where we take a look at some of your comments on our stuff on Twitter, at Orange Fizz, or online at orangefizz.net, and let you know what we have to say about your opinions on Syracuse sports. So, Jonathan, we've got one here. Of course, a lot of reactions to Jarius Baisley leaving the team We tweeted out that Jalen Carey is going to stay with Syracuse. We confirmed with his father when all this happened a few days ago. And we got some responses. First from Cam Marshall. He said that, referring to Carey, that kid will shine, has the spotlight, while the other kid will play in front of no one in the G League he's referring to. I can't wait for Jalen to put the nation on notice. So a lot of people already, uh, I guess, have Baisley in the rearview mirror ready to move on to Carey. Well, that puts a lot of pressure on him, though, because now that Baisley is gone, Carey is going to be the one that these Syracuse fans turn to. So I, you know, I really caution everybody to take a deep breath, look at what Syracuse has, and be excited about it, but don't stamp these high expectations. I think Jalen Carey is going to be a really good basketball player. There's no doubt about that, but the last thing you want to do is put a ton of pressure on him to come in and try and fill the shoes of Darius Baisley because that's not going to happen. They play different positions, and Baisley was just a perfect fit for the zone as a forward. He would have matched up great with Brissett. That's not happening. They should be excited about Carey, but just pump the brakes a little bit and let him come in and get you know get his feet under him, and we'll see what he can do. Yeah, th- this is just some typical Syracuse fans overreacting to the news. Uh, Baisley obviously was going to be a huge guy to get and carry still going to be really good too no reason to love one or hate the other because of the decisions he made and I, I think the biggest thing is you still got to be able to wish Baisley the best going into this uh, G League opportunity yes it means that he won't be at Syracuse but again he's one of the first people to really do this so it's going to be real interesting to see how it all plays out and how he ends how successful he ends up being going that route uh, speaking of going to the NBA, there are a lot of people interested in what O'Shea Brissett and Tyus Battle are going to be doing in these upcoming months. And, of course, a lot of people chiming in as well. Brett Barron had to say, uh, these kids need real advice, not one to tell them to turn down money, but look at Leiden last year, drafted 24th in the G League now, and mentioned how Battle and Brissett, neither of them projected as first-round picks like some of these other guys were. You had Tyler Lydon, Malachi Richardson, Chris McCullough, all guys who people thought left early maybe, a year or two early from Syracuse, but when they did leave were projected to be in the first round pretty safely. Tyus Battle doesn't have that same kind of assurance, and O'Shea Brissett definitely doesn't. Do you think that changes maybe what they end up doing? Because even the guys who Syracuse fans thought left early before, they were at least getting those first-round picks pretty much guaranteed. I think it all comes down to how high your stock is when you decide to come out. Because I agree that a guy like Tyler Lydon could have really used another year in Syracuse. Just I think he would have been great for the program. Don't, it's easy to look at them and say, I don't think they're missing out on too much in the NBA. But at the same time, if you're Tyus Battle, what are you going to get for returning? Your team just went to the Sweet 16. You made clutch shots all season long. I think it comes down to 
hey, my stock's about as high as it's ever going to be. Sure, I'd like to come back and play for Syracuse and possibly try to take them to the Final Four or maybe even win it all, but at the end of the day, these guys are doing what's best for them as they should be, and it's easy if you're battled to say, you know what, my stock is high. It's probably not going to ever get any higher. Let me go to the NBA. That's exactly what Malachi Richardson did a couple of years ago, and then last year Tyler Lydon thought the same thing. So, that's how they evaluate. That's how they should evaluate. And I'm not going to blame a guy if he wants to leave a little bit early to better his career and better his family. Yeah, you got to understand it's not just the situation with the individual, but also the team. So you look at Tyus and what really does he have to gain by staying another year? Maybe a deeper tournament run, but again, that might not even be as much of a sure thing now that Baisley's gone too. So you got to look at how that might affect each other, those two things bouncing off one another. But we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. That rounds out our show just about on Fizz Radio. Of course, a big thanks to everyone who comments on our things at Orange Fizz on Twitter and online at orangefizz.net. If you want to be part of the show, leave some comments, and you can be a part of Fizz Feedback next week. For Jonathan Hoppy, I'm Nathan Dickinson. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a great weekend, and go Orange. 